God is good. I say God is good tonight. I don't know about you, but I come to have church tonight. Can we just go home and be home tonight? Can I feel like I'm at home tonight? Can we just give God a good old-fashioned praise for what he has done in our lives, for what he is doing in our lives? Oh, come on, y'all can praise him more than like that. God is good. It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. There is praise in the house of the Lord tonight. I don't know about you, but I feel good in the Lord. But when I look back over my life, I can see how he made a way out of nowhere. When I couldn't see ends myself, God made a way. Is there a witness in the building tonight? You know, I know they gave me a few minutes to preach, but sometimes you just got to get a praise on. Sometimes you, when you get through the day, you just got to say, Lord, I thank you today. And I praise you. And I glorify you. And I magnify his name. For he is just so worthy. I tell you, it is definitely a deed, a pleasure, and an honor to be here tonight. So I'm just going to say this out front. Y'all excuse me if I go off cue a little bit tonight. Because I feel like I'm at home tonight. And I know Dr. Jones gave me a great introduction of a guest speaker, but I don't feel like a guest tonight. I feel like I'm with family tonight. All of that being said, one thing remains about this preacher that's standing before you tonight. A few things have changed, and a few things haven't. And one of the things that haven't changed is I won't be before you alone tonight. So if I go a little fast, make sure you get the tape and watch it later on. <laughs> but I'd like to first start off by reading the scripture tonight. And if you are able to, would you stand with me as I read the scripture tonight? I believe we just want to honor God on this special night as we start this first night of this revival that God is doing here at Antioch. So I thank you for standing as I read the scripture tonight, and we'll be coming from 1 Peter, uh, the fifth chapter, and we're going to begin around the sixth verse. If you look there, you'll find these words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers, brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, somebody say a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
To him be dominion forever. Amen. While you're standing, why, oh, why y'all standing? I like standing for the Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, we pause now to take this time to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for this journey that you have placed each one of us on. We thank you and we glorify you in that, Lord God. God, we thank you for you have ordered our steps in your word, Lord God. But now, God, help us to follow those orders, God. God, we now know that we are in a state of transition, God. But we know that you have our way, Lord God. And God, as we look to the future, but not forgetting the past successes, we want to glorify you even more, Lord God. Help us to be restored, Lord God. Be renewed and be revived in you, Lord God. And God, we be, be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And now, Lord God, if you would lessen this earthen vessel, Lord God, that your word would go forth with power and conviction, Lord God, that it would touch the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord God, those here in the sanctuary and those that are streaming around the country, Lord God. Bless them in a mighty way, Lord God. Is in Christ's magnificent name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Truly, I am certainly humbled and thankful for this amazing opportunity to be in this amazing sanctuary with all these wonderful, amazing people that are sitting before me. I count myself not worthy of this amazing opportunity to stand before you. Indeed, I am so thankful that my wife is here with me tonight. I'm thankful that my children should be streaming down in Florida watching me and praying for me. It is indeed a blessing to be here. And some of you may not know that over 20 years ago, my family and I decided to join this Antioch family. And I will tell you over the past 20 plus years, it has been an amazing journey. I mean, we have celebrated together. We have cried together. We have prayed together. We have watched our football teams lose like never before. But through it all, we have stuck it out. And I'm indeed thankful for the journey. I was reflecting back on the 20 years or so that my family and I have been members here. And one thing that struck me today as I was reading this Bible, I turned to the very first page, and this Bible was a gift from a member here at Antioch. And I have had this Bible almost 20 years. And this, in the cover it says, on my 40th birthday, so next month I'll be 60, so almost 20 years, Almost, I've had this Bible almost 20 years. Holy Bible presented to Jeff Gaines from Reverend Mike Kopitz and Margaret Kopitz. What a blessing. What a blessing. As I stated, not long-winded, so I want to jump straight into my sermon tonight. 
But I'd like to start off by asking the church a question that I'd like for you to consider as we talk about a few of these passages for the night. And that question kind of goes like this. Have you ever made a bad decision but did not know the magnitude of that bad decision as you were making at that time and moment? In fact, at the time that you made that decision, you spoke with such confidence. You looked people in the eye and you made that decision and you stuck with that decision. However, only later to learn that it was not the right decision to make. I want to tell you about a time in my life where I made a bad decision. And it was many, many years ago, but don't get me wrong, I've made a lot more since then. <laughs> but this one seems to resonate with me over the years and I want to share it with you as we walk through this, this passage of scripture. And the bad decision that I made many, many years ago was when I was serving in the military. I made the cardinal mistake of disobeying a direct, off, a direct order from a superior officer. Yes, I lived to tell about it and I'm still here today. <laughs> I made this mistake when I was serving overseas. And I, I, I distinctly remember how all of this went down on this particular day. The individual came to my room and he told me something and I made a decision on the spot that I was not going to obey his order. In fact, I told him where to go, how to get there, and how quickly he, he needed to be there. And I spoke with such confidence, with such flair. I remember at the time, the individual, he didn't say anything to me at all. He simply walked away. And he walked away, my chest was puffed out thinking that I had told him, and now I was king of the hill. The next day, a knock came on my door. I opened the door and it said, Gaines, you have been summoned to the command suite with all due haste. So I went to the command suite. And when I walked in the command suite, there was no talking aloud. They told me to shut my mouth and stand there. And then they commenced to take my rank that I had worked so hard, they took it all. Took all of my privileges that I had worked so hard to achieve. Took my title and my position away from me and told me to get out the door. I walked out of that door. It was at that moment in time I realized the magnitude of my bad decision. <laughs> but there comes a time when you realize that, that you have no other options. You can't change the outcome. You can't influence the people who made the decisions. You sometimes just have to live with it. And so I went back to the room. And sometime I left, maybe a day or so, another knock came on the door. And I opened the door and I was perplexed. I was scared. I was anxious. I was nervous because I figured they had taken everything I had. Surely it wasn't worth taking my life. And the person that was standing there was my first-line supervisor. And he walked in and he said, Jeff, I know you did wrong, but everything is going to be okay. 
I'm going to work hard to restore you to where you were before. I heard him inside myself say, good luck with that. (laughs) And it didn't take months. It didn't take weeks. I believe it only took a few days for him to restore me. They pinned all of my rank back on, got my privileges, got my job title back. I was restored to where I was before, which leads me to where I want to try to centralize the sermon topic for the day if we focus in on the 10th verse, where it talks about after you suffered a little while, God himself will restore you. So for a subject tonight, I'd like to leave with you tonight is a little suffering, the big restoration. Is that all right with you today? When we look at the verses that I just read to you, I think it's important that I try to give a little context about the preceding verses that we did not read. For if you look a little further up, you will find Peter is giving guidance to the elders there. And he he says it like this. Peter provides guidance and said, elders, take care of God's people. Not because you must, but because you want to. You need to be able to do this because you want to do it, not because you are compelled to do it. And these are the instructions that Peter is giving in the preceding verses. And so what I believe is important for you to know tonight is that as your speaker and as your preacher for tonight, I want to make something really, really clear because I believe I would be negligent or derelict if I did not address what all of us have thought about or probably thinking about right now. And that is we are in a state of transition. Now, transition comes easy for some, and for others, it can cause concerns or apprehensions because we have questions, and sometimes those questions go unanswered or answered in a fashion that we don't understand or cannot accept. Oh, yeah, we pray and we ponder. What is the next season for the church as we worship here in this sanctuary? So there'll be no misunderstanding. So there'll be no disconnect. I want to go on the record tonight as saying, I'm not here to be your captain or your co-pilot. I'm not here to be the air traffic controller guiding the plane in. I'm not here tonight to be the mechanic working on the plane. And God knows y'all don't want me working on no plane. (laughs) No, my friends. No, my sisters and brothers. No, my deacons and deaconess, no, my fellow clergy in the gospel. I believe that I am a passenger on the same plane with you going in the same direction, traveling at the same height, traveling at the same speed on the next journey what God has for us. And I believe that while we are on this journey together, when we encounter some turbulence along the way, you grab my hand. And I grab your hand. No, back that up. I don't, have, I, I don't like turbulence. I grab your hand first. <laughs> and we pray through the turbulence. There are going to be some smooth days and there's going to be some turbulence in life. Don't let nobody kid you now. Speaking of turbulence, when I travel, when we travel together, 
flying is never one of the things I want to do. But when I'm sitting in the aircraft and I'm sitting there reading whatever it might be and we hit a little turban, I'll look over down there to make sure the captain's doing okay. <laughs> I sit back up, we hit a little bit more turbans, I start praying and I check to make sure the captain is still okay down there. Then we go a little further and we hit some turbulence. I'm like, I can't be looking at the captain any longer. I need to go to where my help comes from. So we hit the turbulence. I want to go to the person that's been, been with me by, by my side for over 55 years. The person that is my ride or die. And she's sitting on my right hand side. So when, when we hit the turbulence in the aircraft, I put my hand down and I'm waiting for Brenda's hand to grab my hand to help me ride this turbulence out. But her hand doesn't meet my hand. And I'm going, what's going on with this? And so I look up and I see Brenda Gaines and she's just like this. At that moment in time, I felt like I wanted to be one of the disciples. I wanted to wake up and say, care not that your husband is in turbulence. <laughs> but I'm pretty smart. And I know what her response was going to be. Two things. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> and the second response was, wake me up when the snacks come around. <laughs> I say that and say this, that life ought to have its laughter as well. While we go through turbulence and we have those smooth moments, it's all right to have a little fun in the Lord. Now let's dive a little farther into the text for tonight. For Peter starts off talking about casting our cares upon him. Isn't it good to know that we have a God that cares for us? And you can cast everything unto him. I look up the definition of casting. It means forcefully throwing things away or moving them away from you. I'm learning to cast all of my troubles into the hands of the Lord. I figure as God is up working it out, why do we need to be up? Am I right about it tonight? The challenge, though, about casting our cares upon God is how do we do that? We often say, let go and let God, right? How do we do that? I believe one of the ways to do that is simply this, having moments of reflection. And what do I mean by moments of reflection? I'll put it this way. When your mind starts to worry about tomorrow's problems that don't exist today, think about what happened yesterday. Let me say that again. When our minds start to wonder about tomorrow's problems that don't exist today, think about yesterday. For yesterday, God woke us up. Yesterday, God provided for us. Yesterday, I thought I was losing my job and they gave me a promotion today. Yesterday, I went to the doctor and thought it was all going to be over, but I'm still yet here standing before you. Yesterday is where we need to remember where God has brought us from and where he will take us. Reflection provides new direction. Reflection provides us with new direction. Church, this church has been here for over 30 years. 
God has brought us this far. He's not going to leave us. There is still more to do here. Then Peter talks about after you suffered a little while. The question that came to mind as I was studying this text is, how long is a little while? That's a pretty valid question, right? How long is a little while? Well, I got an answer for you. A little while is shorter than a long while. I love the Lord, y'all. But in all seriousness, suffering is something none of us want to be a part of. If suffering was a phone call, I'd hang up on it all the time. If suffering was a phone call, I'd block the call and put it on do not call and automatic renewal every time it pops up. But the reality of it is, you and I know that when we live godly, we will suffer persecution. Suffering comes in many different ways, shapes, and forms. Suffering can come by the decisions that you and I make in life. Case in point of the story I told you earlier about me. That was my decision, and I suffered because of it. God's grace brought me through it. Suffering can come because of other people's decisions that impact our life. But God can still yet work it out even in the midst of our suffering. Because I believe that in that suffering, God is preparing us for the next phase that he wants us to be and do in him. It may not feel good. You may not like it. But God has a purpose for it in our life. After we suffered a little while. Suffering. When I get to my point where I feel like I'm suffering, I say, God, why me? Sometimes I hear God say, why not you? Right? I have made you. I know what you can do. I know your capabilities. I have equipped you to do the work of the Lord. I'm not going to put more on you than you can bear. And then we move a little further in the text. And it talks about that God will restore. And when God restores us, God does it right. And God does it big. And when, God's begin, when God begins the restoration process, it, it, it makes us stronger in the Lord. For finally, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power, putting on the full armor of God, that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all the stand, keep on standing. <laughs> having done all the stand, keep on standing. I want to encourage you tonight to stay strong in the midst of challenges. Stay strong in the midst of worries. Stay strong in the midst when you don't understand what's going on. Stay strong in the Lord because he's working it for our good. I believe that we are stronger than our problems. I believe that we are stronger than our issues. I believe that where two or three are gathered in the Lord's name, there will he be in the midst. In talking about strong, before I stood here, I felt that I need to go and pay my respects over at the ministry center to what I like to refer to as the wall of heroes. 
also known as the Memorial Wall. And as I was standing there, as Dr. Jones walked me over to the ministry center, and, uh, and as I was standing there, looking at all the names on the wall, a lot of thoughts and emotions went in my heart and in my mind. Because I knew so many of the individuals on that wall. We had hugged each other. We had gone to dinner. We had preached together. I tried to sing a little bit with some of them. And they were faithful until the very end. That's the one thing I remember about them. They were strong in their faith until God called them home. And that is my prayer in my life. That God keep me strong until the day you call me home. Keep me strong doing your work, staying firm in your faith, and doing the work for the Lord. Being firm. Being firm means unshakable and not easily moved. Church, this life and this mission that we're on, it's not for the faint of heart, y'all. Am I right about it? Life will come at you quickly and relentless. Life can sometimes knock you to your knees, make you cry till there's no more tears to cry. But I want to encourage you to remain firm in your faith and believe in God. We must remember that our enemy, the adversary, is walking around seeking whom he may devour. And when we remain firm and unshakable, he cannot devour us. I want to be like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I want to be like Esther when she says, I know it's written in the law, but if I perish, let me perish. I'm going to see the king. See, I want to be like Nehemiah when he was building the wall. The haters came out. When he was trying to do a restoration, people started talking about it. They sent messengers to him. And they told him to come down from that wall. And Nehemiah said something that I think young people like to say was epic. He said like this, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. They sent the messengers there four times. Nehemiah said the same thing. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. We are doing a great work for the Lord here at Antioch. And we can't come down now. We won't come down now. We are going to remain faith in our commitment to God. Be steadfast. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. What we're doing tonight is not in vain. What you were doing prior to this is not in vain. Church, now is not the time to hold back. We've got to be busy about doing the work of the Lord. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. There are prisons to visit. There are sick people to heal. There are homeless people that need a warm blanket. Young people need to be encouraged. Married folks need counseling. Single people need a place to hang out. 
The choir needs singers. Hospitality needs servants. And one that's really close to my heart. Grievers need comforting. For God has been good to us. I know that we cannot pay, pay him or repay him, but we can certainly pay it forward. So while we're in this phase of transition, don't get discouraged. Be steadfast in knowing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If this, same, if this Jesus cares about the sparrows, and I know we are far more important than the sparrows, he cares about us. And as I prepare to close this sermon down, I want to share this final story with you. And this happened a few years ago. A few years ago, I was deciding that I was going to do a little yard work. And there was some yard furniture in the yard. And I decided I was going to throw all of this stuff away because there was a bench there that I had neglected. And because of that, the wood began to rot. The metal had rust on it. And if you sat on it, it would shake and wobble. And so as I was preparing this thing to go to the landfill, a buddy stopped by the house. He said, I'm, uh, I'm stopped by to help you. And he, still, he started helping me load things. And we got to the bench. And he said, Jeff, what are you going to do with the bench? I said, I'm going to toss it away. It's no longer of use. He said, would you mind if I take that off of your hand? And see, what I recognize at that moment, at this moment in time, is that he saw something that I didn't see. And I said to him, sure, as long as I don't have to keep it. So he, I helped him load it up into the vehicle. And some time went by, and this was not something that was on my radar. I just put it in, and we were done with it. Some time went by, and so one day, I went by his house. I rang the doorbell, and before he came to the door, I happened to look to my right. <laughs> and I saw this furniture. And so we came, I said, hey, man, this is some pretty nice furniture that you have here. And so I sat on the furniture, and I said, I could sit here and collect my Social Security check, watch them bring my check. It was all nice. The wood was not rotting. The metal was all fine. And he had this big smile on his face. It still wasn't selling in on me what this furniture was. And then he said, Jeff, you don't remember. That's the furniture that you gave me some time ago. I said that to say this. God sees what we don't see. God. God can take us from where we were to where we need to be. Now, now, now the part that we cannot forget is that while I sat on the finished product, my friend was hard at work doing the work. Right? He was doing the sweat equity. He was taking the, the sandpaper and sanding things and moving things and getting it ready for the finished product. And my encouragement to you tonight is, 
Let's keep doing the work. We might suffer a little. But God is going to do the big restoration, not just in our lives, but in the lives of this wonderful church that we call Antioch. I said I wasn't going to be before you long. Please stand.